Hey everyone, Elizabeth here. Just so you know, this episode is going to sound a bit wonky. We had so much fun recording it that we forgot to keep track of it while we were talking, and the last 15 minutes were lost to time eternal, so we had to go back and re-record. Then, after that, we found out that the first audio file had been compromised beyond edibility, and so we were only left with the WAV file. And then, the problems were only just beginning, but... We want to apologize for the poor audio quality. We hope that you enjoy listening because it is a really cool conversation that we're doing with a bunch of cool people. And hopefully next time we have two extra guests on the podcast, we won't muck it up quite so hard. Okay, enjoy. Star Trek film? <laughs> uh, that would have to be the one and only, arguably the best of all of them, Galaxy Quest. Don't laugh. I am dead serious. Why is Galaxy Quest your favorite Star Trek film? One, it's the only one I've seen. Two, I think Tim Allen does a really good William Shatner. Not William Shatner as Kirk. William Shatner as William Shatner. Person who does not want to be at cons anymore but must live that life because he did a show that one time kind of guy. Uh, third, because it faithfully recreates the uh, silly CGI and practical effects of the predecessor. And fourth, I love me a good satire. I mean, plus Alan Rickman did do a fantastic Spock-esque type character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I, I really like it when uh, Luke Skywalker finally gets off the planet and uh, he goes and talks to his dad, I think. I don't know. I don't follow the plot of these movies very well. She's Elizabeth. He's Aaron. And, and we're, we're married to the, the idea. idea. I had to cut that one short because I can just see the pain in our guest's eyes right now. Aaron, we have to go back. We have we have to go back before I said these terrible things. We must go back all the way to 1965. Everyone, everyone get in your time machines. Get in your TARDISes. Come on. We're, we're going to go. We're going to go. All right. Okay, here we are. Uh, I've got my bell bottoms on. Uh, Aaron has a funky ZZ Top beard. And there are now two guests at our table who were not here before. Hello. <laughs> Holy speak! Uh, what are you, apparition? Let me point my device at you and scan you up and down. I think they're friendly life forms. Uh, I don't know what decade you think you're in. We're <laughs> talking about the 70s, not the 60s. I knew it. The minute I said bell bottoms, like, I don't know my references at all. We're much more slick and laid back here in 1965. <laughs> and then also here is... Uh, Greg. And Greg. And Nick and Greg are the Nick and Greg podcast. Uh, that would be the Media Nuts. The Media Nuts. And we are so pleased to have you here because it is another guest recommended, requested, fan request episode. Yay. Uh, before we get into the topic, let's do the plug party and we'll have you guys tell us about your podcast a little bit too. You can find us at Married to the Idea on Facebook, Twitter at Married Number Two The Idea. Email us at Married to the Idea Reviews at gmail.com. If you get any of those, head to our website, Married to the Idea We are on SoundCloud and iTunes. And uh, where can we find your uh, fledgling podcast? Well, we you can just search for the Media Nuts on any of your favorite podcast services, iTunes, Google Play, whatever. We're, we're there. We're finally up and running. Our first episode is there. Yes, our first episode is there. Uh, I'm not sure when this is going to be released, but uh, August 1st, our second episode is coming out in which we talk about soap operas why they aren't as good as they used to be <laughs> you, you mean when a soap opera has colonel sanders on as an actual character yes that they've lost steam gimmick 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 <laughs> i cannot wait to tell my mom about that episode oh this is this actually happened recently on i think it was what fried chicken day um on general hospital the one that uh we play on the station and the most recent Colonel Sanders, the George Hamilton, in all his Kentucky fried glory, was on there as 
Colonel Sanders and he gives one of the characters the secret recipe. I cannot make this up. They've been doing this though on Mexican Telemundos for a while though. They've been doing this crazy product placement very obvious to camera. That's sacrilege to soap operas and fried chicken. You don't don't give away the 11 herbs and spices. Uh, But their Twitter game is on point, though. They only follow 11 herbs and spices. They follow the five Spice Girls and the six guys named Herb. Or Herb, rather. I tell you what, I love Wendy's Twitter game and I love KFC's game, but I don't actually visit any of those restaurants more than I already do, although I respect the Arby's geek culture fan base they are developing. I just... I don't know. I don't think it translates. Sick burns on the internet don't translate to food in my belly. You know what I mean? Anyways. <laughs> Aaron. Good Lord, I had a transition. Yeah, I'm sure you did. You had my words ringing in your head about please don't say ums anymore because that's yeah. five minutes of my life. I'll never get back when I edit these podcasts. And so you just went for Only silence. Minutes? Only five minutes? No, that's five I'm minutes surprised. of ums that I take away. That's 20 hours of my life. <laughs> so today we are talking about the original unaired Star Trek pilot from 1965. It is a uh, uh, request of Nick, and when Nick first suggested it to me, um, he suggested it to uh, me as a very specific idea, which we are going to actually look at it that way. Um, and this has been the thing I've been pumping up for a little while. Uh, but we also, whenever he uh, and I were talking about it, uh, I was like, you know what? This would be a perfect opportunity to have you guys on the podcast. So, well, I'm glad to be here. I mean, it's a very, this is a very interesting thing, and uh, in a perspective of this, this is an interesting anomaly of a pilot. It has been ever since I first saw it over two decades ago, when I when I was a teenager, and I've always every time I watch this pilot, I put myself with the same question. Uh, that I'm I'm given to you guys when we watch the pilot of what would I have decided if I was a network executive and I watched this would I have bought this show with these characters based on this story and that's the question I pose to you guys all right well, let's talk about the episode a little bit a uh, bit of the plot and a bit of the history because I learned already a few interesting facts from you guys but I know you're saving more in the in the laser cannon for later. Yes. Um, important to note, you will not find uh, James Tiberius Kirk in this particular episode or Uhura or almost, I kept looking for my favorites and all I saw was Spock, Spock, Spock. Uh, yes. Um, in fact, I posed this question to you um, at the, well, it was probably about the 20 minute mark. It's like, there's no other characters in this pilot that you see in the series beyond Spock. That is absolutely correct. And you said there is a reason behind that. Well, basically, what happened, they filmed the pilot, they delivered the pilot to the network, and the network looked at it, and and they do this with all pilots. They put it before test audiences to see what the feedback, what they think of the show, and most of the time, when test audiences are watching a pilot, they have some dial or other indication, a card to fill out or whatever, that gives them feedback on what they like, what they didn't like, how they're feeling. It's usually they're sit down in front of something, uh, something like a knob device, just a knob. You'd like turn it to the left if you don't like it, turn it to the right if you do like it. And the computer was registering results. And based on those kinds of feedback, that kind of feedback, they get an idea of if the audience likes certain parts of the uh, of the pilot, the cast, whatever. They get an idea of okay, do we like this show? Do we not like this show? How does it, how you how do we think the audience is going to respond? The interesting thing about all of this is, and this is what I was telling you guys before we came on. This is the bit of new information. This pilot was delivered to NBC in February of 1965. There is an article, a very early grid, that Greg found in Variety, dated, what, February 10th, wasn't it? Yeah. 
The, the very preliminary fall schedule. And for fall of 1965, and Star Trek was on the schedule. So when did Star Trek officially premiere then, if it wasn't in 65? It was picked up for fall of 66. Huh. There was a second pilot called Where No Man Has Gone Before, filmed in the summer of 1965, and that had William Shatner in it. And it was much more acceptable to NBC. They bought the series, and they went into production in the spring of 66. So they put on the fall lineup even without the go-ahead. No, the, no. They, 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 they said it, it was would be. It was a very be. early preliminary lineup. The, the, a week later, it was gone from the lineup. Like a tweet deleted from the internet, never to be seen again. Honey, what's this Star Trek that's coming around? I don't know about this Star Trek. Um, I don't know either after you told me what it should have been. Please describe to me the pitch for this show before it was actually shown to anyone. Gene Roddenberry has said over the years that he promised NBC a wagon train to the stars, a western in space. And this pilot was far, far from that. I, uh, it would take another 40 years until we got a western in space. Yes, 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 sweetheart. It would take another 40 years before we got that. But we're not here to talk about Firefly. We're here to talk about Star Trek. And I can't think of a further thing from a western in space than Star Trek. Well, the explanation is that westerns were real big on television in the 60s. It's actually the, the whole thing with um, Toy Story is um, when you had uh, the reason it went from Woody to Buzz was because the, you had the transition of the westerns like uh, Gunsmoke and, um, oh crap, I'm forgetting like another big one, but... Bonanza. Bonanza, thank you, thank yes. you. That's exactly what I was trying the to think The second of. biggest one next to Gunsmoke. Exactly. Except um, it was in color. It, yes, thank you. <laughs> oh, Aaron's um, going to be so glad that you're here because usually he just stares at me and I stare back blankly just making jokes. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. <laughs> uh, right? I don't know yes. this stuff. I ain't your IMDB. Uh, but yes, like Gunsmoke and Bonanza that led way to, say, like Star Trek and um, other sci-fi space exploration shows. So, yes, that, that makes a lot of sense that they were trying to actually tie the two together. So, um, now granted, we'll, we'll come to the, the, the producer angle. We'll come back to that. Um... This actually felt like an hour-long episode of The Twilight Zone to me. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. I was going to say, I might be the only one, but apparently I'm not. Uh, I actually, this, it it didn't feel like a bad Twilight episode. Please understand that. um, I'm not a Trekkie. Um, I'm a Next Generation fan more so than I am the original series. Um, Captain Burkirk, uh, Picard, or sorry, no, damn it. No, you word. don't. No, you don't. Picardo. Picard. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I you mean, ass. Picardo you apologize Kirk. right now. I am sorry. Picard over Kirk um, almost every day of the week, unless it's being played by uh, Chris. Um, one of the Chris's, one of the white Chris's. One of the white Chris one, Pine. Chris Pine, thank you. Not to say anything against Shatner, it's just his interpretation, or rather, the original interpretation. I just liked Chris Ironically, William Shatner in the Twilight Zone episode was far more convincing and believable than any of his Star Trek stuff, to my way of thinking. Because he does, there's the gremlin on the wing of the plane! And he does it well, he's not Shatnering it up just yet. He's He hadn't hit his full Shatner level at that point, but... Um, I am not a Trekkie. Liz is... If if I'm not a Trekkie, Liz is far from the Trekkie. Liz is one of those people that drives by the, the Trek conventions and like, what are those people doing in those makeup? I do like their dresses, though. Uh, Greg and Nick, where do you guys come from on the Trek spectrum? Well, I fell in love with Star Trek in 1991, the 25th anniversary year of the from the premiere of the original series. I found the... Uh, there's a lot of stuff on television about the 25th anniversary, and I started watching the reruns at that point, and bought a couple of home videos, and rented a couple of home videos, and started watching it every night on a local station at that point. I, I watched both original series and Next Generation repeats of earlier seasons, and uh, I was not fortunate enough to live in an area where I could watch the, the Next Generation in the first run. Uh, but I did get to watch it in repeats not long after they aired. So I was I was pretty 
uh, weaned on both those series. And then Deep Space Nine, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And here I am now. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I actually do remember watching a little bit of the documentary, The Captains, where, um, was it made by William Shatner or was it made by someone else? Uh, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I know the documentary you're talking about. I think William Shatner was involved in the production of that. Okay, because I know they talked to everybody, including, um, oh, hell, I'm forgetting his name. Patrick Stewart. Thank you. Patrick Stewart and William Shatner, but they also talked to, like, the newer ones, like Archer from Deep Space Nine. And Scott Bakula. Scott Bakula, and then the other one, the one that everyone forgets about, because um, it was the black gentleman, and I forget his name. Avery Brooks. Yes. Um, Captain Cisco, Deep Space Nine. The okay, um, so there was two captains in that. Well, no, he was started as Commander Cisco and got promoted to captain during the run of the no, show. Ar- Archer was on Enterprise. Yes, Enterprise. My bad. See, my 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 level, my low level is being shown. The very knowledge much. at the table is vast. I feel like I could plumb the depths for eons, and you'd know it all. I do not profess to know everything. <laughs> Nick, Nick is the Trekkie. I I. I had only I'd only seen maybe two or three episodes. I must clarify, I however, Greg, <laughs> and you know this just as well as I do, that uh, I have not seen much of Voyager. I have not seen much of Enterprise because I detest Enterprise for various reasons. It's because Enterprise retcons so much of original series continuity. It leaves a very bad taste in my mouth. And a lot of fans have that complaint about Enterprise. Why did they do that on the show then? It's because they made it in the early 2000s and it was not the 1960s. Wasn't it during the writer's strike? Uh, no. Early no... 2000s, I feel like... No, that's late 2000s, early t- 2000s. Sorry, yes. I was wondering if that has something to do with it. This, they, made, they made the technology all this much better and it was supposed to take place before the worst technology. And... So, Star Wars prequel problem. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, Voyager is the prequel of the uh, Star Trek series. Enterprise. Sorry. Damn it. You need more wine. Would anyone like some more Francis Coppola wine? Yes, I would. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Francis Ford Coppola's wine. The wine not best, sponsored. The wine Hashtag. best paired with popcorn. <laughs> Hashtag not sponsored. Hashtag not sponsored. I'm drinking a cider because all of you guys know out there that I don't care for beer or wine. I really like my alcohol to taste as little as alcoholic as possible. So, um, but if I had to pick a captain, I would pick Picard. Um, what about you guys? Uh, that's a tough question because Kirk and Picard are both great captains in my book. I would employ either one of them to get me out of a bad situation. Uh, I do not like to choose, so I choose them both. That's a good parental answer, but very inadequate for a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I... I would go with Picard over Kirk because Picard has the stronger mentality. He went through more than Kirk did. Uh, Picard was assimilated by the Borg for crying out loud. He and that's not something clone. you easily come back from. He fought his clone that just happened to be a young Tom Hardy. <laughs> what about you, Greg? Um, I don't know. I haven't seen enough to really make that judgment. She hasn't watched probably more than episode one. I think and she would make a judgment. So you are in well, a too... much better situation to make a judgment. I can guarantee that. You've at least seen Encounter at Farpoint, the pilot. Yeah. Uh, and the best of both worlds. They're two completely different styles. One's brash and in your face and does not give two flips what you think of them. And the other one is so calm and deep and commanding just by his presence. Both are completely different people. I think it's hard to choose, but yeah, it's still Picard. <laughs> Perfect example right there, Craig. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I guess I'm more of a Captain Kirk original series person in general. I I, I was I was I never got into the later sh- later shows that much. There you go. And there's nothing wrong with that. I really dug Commander Pike in this, knowing what I know from the new Star Wars movies of him as a mentor to Kirk. I really enjoy thinking of that character. 30 years, 40 years back in the past. Because what you told me was that is continuity correct. That is Pike. Yes. Okay. It is the same Captain Pike you see in the J.J. Uh, J. Abrams uh, uh, 
oh god, Kelvin Universe movie. I, you see, I cannot remember these terms because there are two different Star Trek universes now. You have the Prime Universe, on which all the other series exist. And then you have the Kelvin Universe, in which the Vulcan got destroyed. And it's all from the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie forward. And when Benedict Cumberbatch says, my name is Khan. Well, uh, Discovery, the new series, takes place in the Prime Universe. It does not take place in the Abramsverse, which is another name for the Kelvin Universe. Okay. I mean, yeah, so there's a decent possibility that in the Prime Universe that Thor did not die on the Kelvin. <laughs> I was going to say, this is complicated as a Marvel movie. Gosh, Wait. I don't get these timelines. You Wait, somebody snapped their fingers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not bringing... I, I just, oh, I boy. I'm not bring Thanos up again because I listened to that episode. Thank Ooh. you. I do need to know, like, 10 seconds of un, unfiltered, unadulterated, what do you think? Of what? Of Infinity War. After, after hearing the oh. podcast, what do you think? Let me take a deep, deep breath. Screw Thanos! Thank you! <laughs> High five and done! Winners. God, I, I couldn't couldn't stand him less. Ah, We're not here to talk about that. I uh, I think I lied earlier. My favorite Star Trek uh, episode is the Futurama episode where they go to the planet and battle with Melvar about who's the bigger fan. I love that. <laughs> oh, okay, so... <laughs> We went way off track already, yeah. didn't we? So going, returning back to the uh, the mentality that Nick presented uh, before yeah. we watched the episode, which I what because uh, just watching this episode uh, as is may be interested in watching it, but with the mentality of watching it as a producer or you know someone from NBC saying, should we buy this as a series, made me like just in. Ticed with watching this and doing this as an episode, so I'm I, that very much made me interested. So um, before I give my opinion, I would like to hear everyone else's. I'd like I'd actually like to go last. Sure, but, but let's um, do a little quick plot synopsis. No major spoilers, I guess, because as I'm sure you'll share later, this is a really hard episode to get your hands on. So we, yeah, and there's a lot more complexity on top of it, which we'll get to after we talk about it. Sure. Uh, so I mean, you can watch it, but not quite in the form. Yeah, save that for later. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Greg's the historian. Now, well, I'm more of a historian here. Sorry, Greg. But anyway, <laughs> the plot is, is that you are on board the Enterprise and they intercept a signal. A signal from a ship that apparently crashed 18 years before. And they trace the signal to the planet Talos IV. And when they get to the planet, they find that they find survivors and, and ruins and tattered clothing. And they find not only that are they not real, it's an illusion. And Captain Pike, played by Jeffrey Hunter, uh, becomes entrapped in a cage by the planet's beings, the Telosians. The Telosians have mental powers that are far greater than those of the humans of the time. They can create illusions. They can toy with your emotions. They can totally manipulate you any way they want. And their aim is not going to be revealed here because that would spoil the end of the episode. <laughs> yes. Um, there's there's a few twists and turns. Um, nothing like, you know, it was in their heads the whole time, but it's they do play with some, um, some fun illusion kind of imagery. I think that's why I like it so much is uh, the character of Commander Pike. He's, he's a really cool character to follow. You can sense, because they do a very nice job of building up before they even get to the planet, that this is a man who is tired, who has seen all he wants to see, who thinks it is time for him to settle down. And through the course of this episode, not only do you learn more about this characters and the overall conflict, you also learn more about the conflict within this man's soul and how to better, like, what does he truly want? What is the true thing that mankind, that humanity really wants? They want a life of peace without thinking or do they want to strive and fight and scrap and bite yeah and it's um i kind of have to agree with that um the, the which is why it feels like a twilight zone episode yeah there's there's more reasons beyond that and i'll get to that in just a second but commander pike is a interesting character even for back in the 60s like 
I feel like this is a character I could see now. I could easily see in some sort of, you know, Firefly or even like a Discovery type series, you know, where he, like, they throw almost an older um, actor into this role. Because this, um, you said his name is Jeffrey Hunter? Yes. Um, Jeffrey Hunter didn't seem like he was that old. Maybe like maybe later thirties, early forties at the oldest. Yes, that's around the age he was at this time. Okay, so yeah, so I could see them t- putting someone like in their fifties to have the same mentality, but I still his um, endurance or not even endurance, but the amounts that he has been through. He never lets go. Not even for an instant does he let go of this is an illusion. I must break free. Yeah. The amount that he has gone through and the hardships that he has put himself through and has come through the other side with it, it shows he did a good job uh, conveying that whether it was him the director or even gene rawberry who wrote the episode you know it's it easily could be one of the three i wish this i don't know if you've with because uh nick is actually um one of our biggest fans um thanks a lot nick uh but he, You're welcome. Uh, so he has listened to more than one of our episodes. Uh, but I, what I always try to do is, is if, I, if I see a performance that I like, it's not always the, the actor. Sometimes it's the writer, sometimes the director, or sometimes it's a combination. So I always try to make sure that if I know that it's the director because they said, here's your motivation, go, or the writer is just like, these are my words coming out, or it's the actor conveying a specific facial thing, then I'll say it that way. But, like, there was more than one um, time that I felt like Commander Pike had been on multiple missions and had been through all of this stuff. And you see evidence of that throughout the episode, too. And that's why I appreciated it. Well, Captain Pike is... Uh, you keep calling him Commander Pike. I'm Sorry. 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 I don't Captain even Pike. Know. I, I didn't even remember saying it. I think <laughs> I said it first and you copied me. Stop it. I didn't want to interject and correct or anything like that, but <laughs> I'm a nice guest. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, until I go all Crispin Glover on you and try to dropkick you, but that's another story for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it, that happened on Late Night with David Letterman in the 80s. Oh, but Crispin Glover from Back to the Future, Crispin Glover. Yeah. Stoned out of his mind, Crispin Glover. Shouldn't be allowed on camera, Crispin Glover. He's he's actually a very enigmatic actor. Anyways, go on, Nick. Anyway, uh, I lost my turn of thought. We were talking about Captain Pike. We're talking about Minutia, (laughs) which is something all Star Trek fans can appreciate. Okay, well, I'll come back to that. But Captain Pike. it's 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 in the continuity of the show (laughs) he's been commander of the enterprise for like three or four years at this point i think i mean it's never quite clear in the chronology of things uh kirk did take over from pike and this was established later on when they did the frame story around this pilot footage so this pilot footage did air during the original series. The stuff that Actually, we, most of it did. The stuff that we just saw. Yes, it did air in 1966. Now, this As part pi- of the story within a story sort of thing. Yes, yeah. yes. Hmm. Uh, I'll come back to that. But this pilot was intended to be 90 minutes long. And the story goes is that when the, 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 they were attempting to sell the series or sell a pilot to NBC, the... Herb Solo, who ran Desilu at the time, who was the executive vice president in charge of uh, programs or whatever, he, uh, NBC was being very skittish. They didn't want to commit to it. And then he suggested, okay, make it as a 90-minute pilot. That way, if you don't like it, you can burn it off as a movie of the week. Oh. So that got, that got a commitment from NBC. And then they went and developed... Uh, all these different ideas based on the series Bible that Gene Roddenberry had already written. And they just chose the first idea out of the Bible, which was the story you saw. And basically, it, all the, and in, the, in this Bible, there were all these little three-line premises for 25 different stories. Most of them did get made into actual... Into, whoa, hello. I almost saw my microphone over. <laughs> You're <laughs> so passionate. <laughs> Most of them did get made into actual series episodes. This was the first one on the list. Huh. Okay. 
So with um, the episode that they made into uh, the frame story that they made around this footage, like was it well received? Because it looks like it's slightly different than the initial feel of the okay. original series. Well, the frame story is uh, called The Menagerie, and it was the series' only two-part episode. Now, the story is is that when they were filming the first season, they were very crunched on time. They were very much in danger of not meeting their air dates because no one had ever attempted a show like this on television before up to that point. I mean, Lost in Space was already on the air on CBS. That's a whole nother story in and of itself. <laughs> but this story, actual serious adult oriented science fiction was had never been attempted on television on this scale before and for the budget they had they had it was almost impossible to make this show they only had a budget of like $175,000 an episode which in today's money is only like about a million and a half two million dollars it was bargain basement prices and Gene Roddenberry come up with the idea to take this existing pilot, which cost over $600,000 to make, which was an absurd price tag at that time for an episode of series television. Truth be told, that's still an insane amount of money for a TV episode in my mind, but go on. Uh, so he got the idea to take this 63-minute uh, pilot and write a new frame story around it in which Spock is contacted by the Telosians Captain Pike is now a cripple and he's in a wheelchair and can only speak with a blinking light. One flash for yes, two flashes for no. I get that reference now! Go on. <laughs> yes. I understood that reference. <laughs> yes. And the Telosians have contacted Spock to bring Captain Pike back to Talos 4 so they can let him live his remaining life in peace. Um... And they go through the fiction of Spock commandeering the ship and putting him on trial in a court-martial. And Captain Pike being on the ship and being part of the court-martial. Watching the footage from the pilot on the view screen in the hearing room. That's a pretty clever way to make that work. Yes. So they end up do, filming the frame story in one week and got two episodes out of it. And got them out of a very big hole that they were in. That's a smart way to use it. Like, um, that's kind of like us one time, you know, really early on. Uh, I think we recorded, what, three different episodes of One Night or something like that? And we, we kind of, we had, so we had enough to go through like a few weeks. Because I think we had like, like a one trip coming up. And so we were like, oh, so we'll just record a couple things. So. It's a, like a clip show before there were any clips really to make a clip show out of. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you couldn't call us a clip show per se because they were actually writing a story referencing the previous material. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they, they're basically, they, they're, they use what they had. But actually there was a show that you, that did a clip show before they actually even had clips to show. And what was that? The animated Clerks television show. Oh yes. Do you remember that one? I remember that show. They played it on Adult Swim for a little while, and um, they had uh, I think it's like the second or third episode in, and he's randomly like, "Hey, do you guys remember that time that we fought off that band of rabid nuns?" And they're like, "Yeah," and they just think back, and it's just this random little scene, and it's just like that was a lot of fun, and it's hadn't, and it's only been two or three episodes in. And you're like, I don't remember that. That's just, I mean, that's Kevin Smith for you. So, um, all right. Well, let's let's go around the table. Um, like I said, I kind of want to go last because um, I have a question and then I will give my opinion. But I do want to ask, with this viewpoint that we have, as the NBC producer, buyer, whatever we want to call it, um, would you buy the series based on this 60-minute pilot that we saw about Commander Pike, uh, the the menagerie, I think, is what you actually call it. Captain well, Pike. It was the cage. Captain Pike, thank you. It was the cage here, and it changed to the menagerie. It's interesting you bring up that title distinction. Uh, it changed to the menagerie very late in production, and then they called the actual two-part frame the menagerie, and then it re the pilot reverted to the cage at that time. 
It's confusing. It's, it's really, really confusing. weird. So it has, in a sense, it had two titles. <laughs> the menagerie is so much better because it, a menagerie and a zoo almost fit together like that. Because it was almost a zoo, but it wasn't a zoo for the public. It was a like a collection type thing. So. Yeah. But it, the two-part episode was called The Menagerie, and that's what most people do, in fact, remember. <laughs> okay. So, um, but yeah, let's go around. As a NBC producer, would you buy the series based on this this one pilot? Uh, so, Greg, let's start with you. Um, well, my opinion opinion has been then they that uh, no, this this wasn't what they had originally asked for. This this wasn't what they wanted. They picked the wrong. You said they had twenty some ideas to choose from. And they narrowed it down to four. I need to point that out. They narrowed it down to four, and this was the one that NBC chose to film because they thought it was the hardest one to do. Why? Get that. I don't, I never understood that mentality. Because they thought, oh, well, we'll pick this one, and that way you'll never do it, and we don't have to worry about it. (laughs) Ha! Oh. Okay, but then they realized, okay, they, (laughs) then they realized, no, you can do it, and we didn't pick the right idea. I must explain NBC's crazy mentality of how they operated at this point. There's a story during the the, the script phase of this pilot that uh, Gene Roddenberry wanted the ship's complement to be half men and half women. He got a visit from an NBC executive saying, "You you cannot do that. Why why on earth not?" Because don't you know it'll make it look like there's a lot of fooling around going on up there. We can't have our beds together on national television. That'll make people think that they're having sex. The rest of the story is that they went and talked about it and came back and said, if you want your series, you can have 30% women. And Gene Rodbury said this on a spoken word album I've listened to. And he said, well, hell, 30% women should be able to handle the ship, so, okay. Gene Roddenberry, ahead of his time, my respect. I will say the women are the only one who do actual work, so far as I can tell, upon the ship. Yeah, the, uh, uh, unless they're Mr. Spock or the guy who was just, like, in love with uh, Captain Pike. Like, the jolly, golly gee willikers, Captain Pike! Do you think we can defeat these dastardly villains? I don't remember that character. The blonde guy. <laughs> He's actually redheaded. He was, oh, sorry. I must sorry. explain that this was in black and white, and I'll come back to that later. Yeah, we, we watched this in true true black and white. So um, it, it actually kind of reminds me. Um, I, I saw this uh, <laughs> this comic. Um, have you guys watched the, the Cartoon Network series Steven Universe at all? Not really, no. It's it's a fantastic series. It's well written. It's well acted. Um, it tells the fantastic story. However, it's doing wonders um, for a very certain community. Mm-hmm. When I they, know what you're talking about. Yes, okay. So uh, someone drew a picture of a embodiment of Car- Cartoon Network busting down the door because the uh, creator is Rebecca Sugar. And busting down the door, Sugar, what is this? And it's holding up a picture of uh, two of the, the gems uh, about to kiss or like one's like nuzzling the neck or something like that. It's, what is this? This looks gay to me. And like... The uh, and the and Rebecca's like they're they're gems that do not have sex, like have actual genders, and they're in love. They're in a relationship. It's okay. You know, uh, you better watch yourselves, you watch sugar. yourselves, and then like points and kind of stares at, stares her down as it walks away, and <laughs> and like and then she like snaps her fingers, and then there's like animators like come into the room, and she's like, make it gayer. <laughs> It's very interesting because just a couple of days ago, it was revealed that she, uh, Rebecca Sugar has come out as non-binary. To which yeah. I said, did we not already know that? <laughs> like, was there any doubt? That show has heterosexual relationships, homosexual relationships, tra- uh, transgender sexual relationships, non-binary sexual, non-relationships. It's like any relationship you can think Something of. for everybody. Exactly. That's why that show is so amazing. Uh, plus, the character's amazing. The animation's so great. Sorry, I love that show. Um, Greg, Greg, make note of this show, please. <laughs> please. It, it's a kid's show that is so well done. It's like the level... Do, do you guys ever watch Avatar The Last Airbender? Mm. Okay. I if, say comparable. Not that it's anything like it. 
which is also a good show. You definitely should watch yes. Avatar: Last Airbender. Um, Avatar: The Last Airbender does for martial arts and um, uh, and uh, Easter philosophies is is what Steven Universe does for healthy mentalities and relationships. It's as far as Star Trek coming out in the 60s, I also was remarkably amazed to find that there wasn't that much misogyny. There was like a moment, and but he never ever says that she is not the most competent, capable person on the bridge. Okay, now I must explain a big, huge difference in this pilot compared to the rest of the series, and I'm hoping you guys picked up on this, was Spock and number one. Number one was played by Majel Barrett, who... Mrs. Gene Roddenberry. <gasps> not at this point, though. Well, no. Not until 1969, but they Ooh. were they were dating they at were this dating. point. And Gene Roddenberry is mar- married to somebody else. Oh. So she was his mistress. Oh, <laughs> she made, he makes his mistress the frigid NBC, cold NBC woman. NBC was fully aware of this and did not like the casting choice. Oh, <laughs> oh God. No. Whew. Well, that changes a lot of things. Now, wow. note, no, note, how would you how would you judge the demeanor of number one in this pilot? Did she have any emotions whatsoever? No, she was cold and calculating. She focused on her job. High intelligence. Yeah. Now, who do you think that is in the series? Spock. Yep. And that is why Spock smiles when he's on the planet yeah, they, looking they, at the floating leaves. They gave leaves. her personality to Spock. And that is the big change between the first pilot and the second pilot. What would I think of a female Spock? I kind of like it. Chrissy Alley comes yeah, in yeah, as yeah, a Vulcan. Yeah, Michael Burnham in Star Trek Discovery, if you've not watched that series. I highly recommend it. I heard it the really first episode good. was iffy, but once you get past... No, wait. No, that's... No, I'm sorry. That's... The that's, Orville is what you're thinking yes. of. Sorry. My apologies. Which, if you watch Family Guy at all, or hell, even um, American Dad... He writes so many love letters to Star Trek. So, um, so yeah. Now I, I enjoy Star Trek a decent amount. So I've been needing to check out Discovery in Orville too. It brings up the question: If she hadn't been played by a person who was Gene Roddenberry's lover, would we have had a female Spock that could have continued? Because I clearly liked the character of her and her logical, deductive reasoning. NBC's uh, logic on this was that they didn't mind a female second-in-command. They just didn't like Majel Barrett. They didn't think she was a good actress. She didn't do a bad job at all. In fact, I thought the the, well, the oarsman or whatever, the, the, the kind of newer person... The yeoman. 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 Yeah. Uh, she really didn't do much. She just kind of was there for a little bit of comic relief at the near the beginning and near the end, and then for certain scenes in the middle. But that was about it. Yeah, there was. I think the supporting cast was not all the way there. No. I mean, you had uh, Doctor Boyce, played by John Hoyt, who's uh, kind of like Bones, but not really there. Gene Roddenberry wanted to force Kelly in this pilot. He was not available, and he had to go with someone else. Oh. And see, he has a little bit of Bones to me, but, like, if Bones was a, like, a lovable grandpa is what I got from this yeah. other medical doctor. So, Yeah, but. he's pouring martinis in an early scene. <laughs> I mean... It, it, the, tr- the true Kirk Bones relationship is there at the very beginning. You can absolutely see that. You don't get Kirk and Spock between Pike and Spock. That's definitely more uh, unique towards um, you know later on episodes and stuff like that. Now, one scene I will mention, and I loved watching Liz's reaction during this scene on the bridge after they go to warp and are on their way to Talos, <laughs> is when the yeoman comes out of the bridge. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, She's replacing your former human, sir. Just all that's all right. It's just that I'm not used to having a woman on the bridge. Yeah, and her and his his number one turns to him. He's like, no, no, it's okay. You're different than other women. Another turn from her, and then now, cut to the next scene. I will point out that when the frame story aired, that scene was cut. Of course it was. Of, of course, course it was. That scene is only in this original version of the pilot. Well, I love that that she gets to have a reaction when it's no, no, you're different. And she's allowed to turn to camera to say to the audience, no, I am a woman. You have to respect all of us because we are all the same that way. You can't say, oh, you're 
better than most women. You're you're strong. Like like other female traits aren't worthwhile. Only those that are most masculine are acceptable. Uh, Captain, I am a woman. I have womanly desires myself too. Uh, in fact, right now, I do believe I am an eight. Like, <laughs> but that's the mystery of that character. Number one, it never was explained what her uh, what her background is. If she's an alien, just who is she or it? Yeah, you know. I assume she was a human. I Supposedly, assumed. in the new season of Star Trek Discovery, that's that's coming out. We they, in the in the and this is a huge spoiler. Turn off now if you've not watched the final episode of season one of Star Trek Discovery. They come back from the mirror universe and they come up come upon the Enterprise with Captain Pike. And supposedly number one is going to be a character in this new season of Star Trek Discovery. That is super cool. Right, right? Retcon. I I like it. It's bold. So you've gotten kind of a taste of what's to come. That's and, neat. And That'd a be new cool. show. That'd be cool to see what happen, what they do with this in uh, in more you know modern times. And the other interesting thing is that will Mr. Spock be on the show as well? It, supposedly, Michael Burnham, the focal character of the show, was raised alongside Spock by Sarek, Spock's father. Oh, okay. Spock's adopted sister. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's a lot of familial ties right there. Yeah, let me stroke my beard. Hmm. <laughs> As I ponder. But anyway, but anyway, back to the back to the original question. Yes. So uh, Greg is saying to reiterate, you said no because it wasn't what they were promised. Yeah, it wasn't what they were promised, and I, I, they realized what I also realize is that they picked the wrong idea. You would have preferred that they pick one that fit more within the confines of what they were originally more, more promised. More action, more adventure, less of this less, Twilight Zone, less Twilight make, Zone. You, make you think kind of story. Okay. I like that answer. I mean, it seems honest as far as the premise of the question is concerned. Well, I'll give you my take next. I would have passed on it as well because while it was well-intentioned, uh, it was... I, I go along the lines of the standard line of thinking was that it's a great series episode, but it was a terrible idea for a pilot. <laughs> because a pilot is meant to sell a show. Yeah. You, I would have really said, honestly, you expect me to buy this show based on what I just saw. This was a great episode seven. This was not a great episode one. If you play this first for the audience, they will be totally lost as to what the show is supposed to be. And see, like I can see that, but I can see that, and I cannot see that, or I, or like I agree and disagree. Are you gonna give your opinion then? No, I mean, like I'm, I'm kind of working on this. <laughs> so this I, my, my reasoning comes from a very different point of view. Um, the, the, the reason I agree with that is because yes, the, the whole setup, the, the menagerie aspect of it is very much something like you need to understand this character and understand the character's relationship with everyone else on the bridge to really understand the um, the importance, the, um, the gravity uh, behind if they lose this captain, what happens. You know, even at one point, um, you know, like they have to make a really hard decision and they make the hard decision but they're not allowed to truly make the decision, and you have to see how devastating that is. And yes, as someone, if this was episode seven or eight or even in season two, yeah, that's going to feel a lot deeper and a lot harder to, of a decision to make. But here, being episode zero technically, or episode one, um, point one, if you want to get technical, mm-hmm. um, they uh, don't really, you don't get that feeling. However, something I did, the reason I would disagree is because they do kind of play up some of the relationships, like the whole thing between Pike and the number one, or uh, Pike and the, the doctor character. They do kind of show that he has these relationships. They don't give a lot of time to it. They devote probably too much time to the menagerie part and not enough time to the, the relationships between him and his, his crew. Which I think, if had, had they done that and spent less time in the menagerie, they probably would have been a stronger pilot. But it probably still would still be in that same situation. I will throw this nugget in here. 
the way we had to watch this episode was very interesting, and there's a very interesting, convoluted story. Yes, please explain the Portuguese subtitles, please. <laughs> okay, so this, this uh, version of the episode is the most complete one because, as I mentioned before, the frame story of the measure required the editors of the show to go into the finished negative of the show and hack it. They hacked the uh, most complete negative of the episode and left bits and pieces laying around. The complete version of the pilot was never seen on the air. It was not seen in any form until uh, Gene Roddenberry's work print resurfaced, which he took around to various conventions at the time. He, uh, it resurfaced in the mid-80s and Paramount, who owned Star Trek at the time, uh, decided to release a kind of combination of color footage from the menagerie and black and white footage from this work print and to present the most complete version at the time that you could get. Then, the, then most of the color footage turned up and they attempted to restore it again, but it wasn't very good. In Portugal, they released the complete black and white work print that turned up on VHS with Portuguese subtitles burned into the VHS. This is in the late 80s. Wasn't it in, in Brazil, actually? It was in Brazil, yes, not Portugal. I mean, they speak Portuguese in Portugal, don't they? Yeah. Okay, so I'm not wrong! <laughs> well, but do let's, they speak... Let's, let's not fight. No, we're, we're all not. friends here. But do they, do they speak had a peace in Portuguese? We, uh, I apologize to all the Portuguese-speaking people who might be listening to the audience. Senor? <laughs> but yes, on the DVDs and Blu-rays, you can get the whole thing in color, but it's missing little bits and pieces here and there. Yes. This, what we watched was the entire thing. So yes. it was meant to be shown in color. Yes. Right. It's because it was it's produced in color. Because it was just how you knew that she had green skin. Because I'm like, yeah. what do you mean, green lady? She looks I just like... Bits and pieces of the color footage are missing forever. Yeah. So. Plus, there's also uh, uh, creative changes that were made for the Menagerie two-part version that later attempted restorations did not remove and that ticks me off. It added music in certain scenes and... Or did not belong making snips to make scenes go faster than they actually did originally. Ooh, yeah. So. Yeah, because they only, uh, TV shows back at that time had to fill a certain time as they do now. Back then it was 51 minutes. Okay, yeah, because with uh, commercial breaks and everything like that. So we had to watch this version to see how it was originally produced. Now, the, how it turned up was that I another, another fan form that I belong to, trekbbs.com. It's a great fan form. Someone made a post uh, saying that, hey, has anyone ever seen this? I believe that it's the original black and white work print that we've long been seeking because a lot of us have been seeking it. And I looked at it like, oh my gosh, it is. How can I get a copy of this? So I and a couple other users traded messages back and forth. Someone in the UK bought it off a Portuguese auction site in Brazil and it shipped to the UK, bought a PAL VCR, had it transferred, and I got a Dropbox download of an MP4 of this transfer, and that's how I ended up with it. Thank God for technology. Used to be you had to send a droid to get that. <laughs> These are not the droids you were looking for. Wrong franchise. Well, you know I'm not here. Well, I'm mean, just here to goof. Gandalf has to send Harry to, <laughs> you know, uh, fetch the four stones of the... From uh, Winterfell. From Winterfell, so. Um, maybe all sorts of uh, franchises here. So, all right. Well, then Liz, as a um, 1960s NBC producer... Uh, would you have purchased this or had said this should go to air? All right, I got myself a mindset. Um, lots of money, lots of cocaine, lots of money and cocaine on hookers. Okay, I'm here now. That was ABC. Ah! <laughs> shut, see, I don't actually know that. <laughs> The, the, the views and ex, uh, view, uh, the viewpoints and expressions. Don't even try. Don't even. It was gone. It was I here. Had it. Fletcher, Fletcher, Fletcher. I'm gonna say that 
even though I agree that it's not perhaps the best indicator, like as far as these are all the characters and here's where we're going to be going, I will say that it's very quintessentially Star Trek with all of its elements. We've got uh, the main cast of characters get the idea that they are like a ship, but in space. You have the relationships, you have um, teleporters, and you have laser guns, and the technology, and the scientific descriptions and explanations and again i think that it's a lot like a serial where there are overarching character arcs but it's mostly a self-contained visit one planet have this experience visit one planet have this experience ad nauseum ad nauseum so i would go back to them and say that this we like the concept for the show but i would go back film a couple of episodes to introduce us to everybody, then you could insert this in. And you're not far off how the network felt about it at the time, because Dave did something very unprecedented at that time. We made a mistake. We gave, uh, we gave you the hardest one to do out of all these 25 different plot possibilities that were in the series Bible that Gene Roddenberry wrote in early I'm sorry, 1963 was when he wrote that. This was the first one among those. They had, they had it narrowed down to four, right, Greg? Yeah, I, I think so. And uh, you think so. <laughs> they, they picked the first one off the list, and they purposefully admitted, okay, we screwed up. We gave you the toughest one, and we didn't think you could do it. It's like the little edge that could. I think I could. I think I could. <laughs> And uh, they admitted they made a mistake in asking for that particular story because they knew what the story was all along. Even though Gene Roddenberry had sold the premise to him on a wagon train to the stars, they had to know what they were getting into. Yeah, so yeah the descriptor. They, There's nothing about gun battles or it's all a mental battle. Because, because the networks all have uh, standards and practices, the censors. And they have to be in on a script writing process. This is well documented in various books I've read about the production of the show. Um, so they had to know what story was being developed and what it was about. So it's not like they were totally in the dark when they got the finished episode. <laughs> That's very true. I'm um, glad they admitted their mistake then instead of just looking like a bunch of idiots. <laughs> I just said, yeah, yes, we're giving you more money. Go, go back and do another one. And I can definitely see how that was unprecedented. Uh, I mean, hell, that's unprecedented even now, because if you look at some of the pilots that's come out, and you realize, how the hell is this made? You know, cough, cough. Marvel's the, um, oh, hell. Titans. No, that's that's DC. Inhumans. Inhumans, thank you. Comic books. Yeah. Marvel's Inhumans, cough, cough. Um it, it's a wonder how some of these shows have been made, you know, like the the reboot for the six million dollar woman or something like that. <laughs> um, there's there's just there's a weird mentality that these producers have to have, and it's interesting that they happen to kind of say, "Oh, we'll go back and remake this," and this is something we're still talking about, you know, almost fifty or no, over fifty years later. All right, Aaron, so. then get in the mindset. Would you have approved it, yay or nay? Warning, Aaron's rant is coming. Oh, are we still good on time? Oh, no, you've got to tight, tight, tight. Wrap okay. it up, wrap it up. Um, well, we have something for you at the very end of this episode, so please stay tuned. Um, and Plus, we'll give these guys another uh, opportunity to plug. Uh, oh, yeah, good idea, Aaron. Yes, we'll give you guys a surprise treat for making it through Aaron's opinions. Yes, exactly, because those are always long-winded and... Uh, Switch off the podcast now. <laughs> But then they wouldn't get the fun thing. Um, so, uh, to give my thought on this, um, I actually have a question to ask first. Mm-hmm. Um, what year did uh, Twilight Zone come out? 1959. 1959. So, um, would was it still going at this point or no? No, it, it ended production around 64. Okay. Yeah. So, around the time this began, but still... This felt, and I think I mentioned this earlier, um, this felt like an hour-long Twilight Zone. However, that's not a bad thing, and I don't think that works against it. Um, But it didn't feel like a Twilight Zone episode that it um, 
in the sense of a Twilight Zone that, you know, oh, these cast of characters are done. You know, when you watch, like, the, the astronaut in one of the first episodes where he's by himself and he's, where is everyone in this town? Where is everyone? And then you never hear of that astronaut ever again. Um, this is more of, like, okay, I want to see these people go through these kind of Twilight Zone-esque adventures in space. You know, these visit these different planets. Um, and I think the the quote-unquote supernatural is what gives it, lends it that way to the um, Twilight Zone. But I, I liked these characters enough to say that I, w- I want um, to see more adventures with them and to maybe kind of see these self-contained episodes where, you know, oh, they visit this planet where everybody is actually dog-faced or everyone, they go to another planet where um, no one can use their left arm because their religion says so or something like that. Um, you know, I, I could kind of, uh, to me, the potential was there. And so I really felt like this was something that could have grown. Obviously, sitting here now, 53 years later, it did. You know, um, so you'd give it the green light. I would. I would probably give it the green light. Well, if, well, if it were well. Up to me. The table is split. Mm. How can we resolve this? Uh, well, we're not giving it a rating. No, we can resolve it with free stuff. <laughs> free stuff. Well, how about this? Uh, why don't you guys give uh, one one last plug, and then uh, we'll, we'll do our little giveaway. One thing first. Oh, it's yeah. interesting you mentioned it being an hour on Twilight Zone because one season of the Twilight Zone the show was an hour. Really? What it was season? Like, well, it was the fourth season, the next to last one. They expanded like, like an hour and then they reverted back to 30 minutes for the final season. Yeah, because I remember I, I watched, but I didn't watch, I didn't go through and watch every single episode. I think I watched a lot of the first season and some of the second season I just kind of sporadically went through the rest of them. So yeah, They don't rerun the hour-long ones very often. I'm, I'm actually on Netflix for that. Cause they been, should be there then. Yeah. Uh, most so if you see, start seeing them like 50 minutes long, that's that's the ones I'm referring to. Because we went back and watched the, 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 the specific episodes that they had uh, remade for the movie. Most of the earlier ones are the good ones, which is the ones they remade for the movie. Yeah. But anyway, back to, to the plugs. To your guys' <laughs> plugs. Yeah, so you can find us. Search on Facebook for the Media Nuts. Search on Twitter. At the Media Nuts. And email us at TheMediaNuts at gmail.com. Uh, we are on all the various major pet podcast services like Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, whatever. You know, Libsyn. Are you a fellow SoundCloud uh, groupie or SoundCloud podcast? I have a SoundCloud account, but I'm not it. That's where I listen to most of my podcasts, unless it's like... That's why I originally listened to you guys before I got a podcast. There you go. So. Oh, that was just me looking and figuring out what the definition of an RSS feed was, because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I'd known that from years ago, because <laughs> I, I dabbled in it a little bit years ago as a story I'm not willing to go into. You guys are so smart. <laughs> so, Let's right. celebrate. Yeah, let's celebrate. We uh, made it through this episode <laughs> with no problems whatsoever, so <laughs> let's go ahead and celebrate. <laughs> We want to thank you guys for uh, listening, not just this episode, but for the last year of episodes with a little surprise. So if you go to the website, marriedtotheidea.weebly.com forward slash just for you, you'll be brought to a very special page only you can access where you can get a free sticker. We have two types. One has both of our mics on it. The other has our name. Both are really super cool die cuts from Sticker Mule. Hashtag Sticker Mule. And Hashtag not sponsored. Not sponsored. Hashtag yet. <laughs> uh, but go ahead to that page. Fill out name, address, physical address so we can find you and yes. send it to you and which <laughs> sticker you would like. We only have 25 of each and then they're gone, gone, gone. So if you want your very special free sticker celebrating our one year anniversary, the website again is marriedtotheidea.weebly.com forward slash just for you. Yes, these are awesome. Um, I worked really hard on them. Please have a sticker. 
um, to put on you know various things that aren't you know public property. So we can't control that, obviously, but we're we're trying to cover our bases. So we would never but, suggest that you break the law. No, not at all. We want you to be good boys and girls. But we're gonna give uh, Nick and Greg here some for being on our podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the, um, I have a free space on my laptop. <gasps> I feel honored. Uh, that, uh, stickers make sense. Aaron has a box full of. Oh, I'm gonna say a thousand stickers. Not nearly as impressive as your collection of 1,000 VHS tapes, but <laughs> impressive in its own right. That was a story we told online. So, um, but do be sure to go on there, follow all of our stuff, follow all of the Media Nuts and Nick and Greg on YouTube as well. Thank you. And um, we really appreciate you guys coming out onto the podcast tonight. Thank you very much. Through the uh, issues. Thank you very, very much. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening so much through our issues and sometimes less than stellar sound quality. We know that you care, and that yes. makes us care. So uh, we appreciate it. We've got. Uh, we already have next week's episode um, in mind, uh, and then uh, we are always looking for new ideas. Uh, Nick has actually suggested a, a couple ideas, and um, we have uh, been able to take those. So. Uh, but if you have an idea, be sure to let us know. But and uh, share and like our page and share the stickers and everything like that. So until next time, she's been Elizabeth. He's been Aaron, and, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea.